ready. Let's go. Okay. So, hey, friends. This is Anaya or Naya. And this is Austin Person. <laughs> so, welcome to Be For Real, where you can always find candid and productive conversation about life. But from the Christian perspective, we all know life can be weird sometimes, but you just need somebody to sit you down and be real with you. And so get comfortable as we get real. So today we have a super duper exciting episode. Like, yeah. First time, first time. Like, <laughs> yes, like this is our first guest. And so we have a we have a really special guest. We're going to get to that. And so I'm not going to ruin the surprise just yet. But um, I just want to let you know that like this is one of, yeah, this is an episode you want to stay for. So anyway... <laughs> So our scripture for today is Romans 12 and 2, and it's, it says, do not copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into the new person by changing the way that you think. When you, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so one of the, another translation basically says you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think I connected this, like I've heard this scripture forever, like a lot since I was little, but I think one thing that connected in my mind like about a month ago was the fact that like it's it all starts with your mind like the way that you think yeah no I, I completely agree with that um I think that a lot of times our mind can in some aspects lead us you know yeah our soul and our spirits are a big part of us but our mind plays a big part in us too because if we don't have our mind on the right things and we don't have our mind centered around God and center around the most healthy it can be, then issues can come upon that. So I think that's very important that we constantly have to renew our minds. Yeah. And so today we're going to talk about like what that actually practically looks like and how we can be good stewards of our bodies and our minds and what that looks like in walking out the Christian faith. It isn't just you just waking up and saying, I love Jesus, you know, <laughs> like real life happens to Christians. Yeah. And if in, if anything, it happens more so. And so really Christianity is just about learning how to look through it with the perspective that God gives us. And so sometimes we need help people to help us adjust our perspective so that we can better um, understand life in the way that works. So today to help us with this topic, we have Miss Brittany Gray. So Brittany Gray is a licensed professional counselor associate with the Texas State Board of Examiners of Professional Counselors. Brittany, Brittany earned her Bachelor of Science in Psychology from the University of Texas at Dallas and a Master's of Science in Counseling from Southern Methodist University. Brittany provides therapy in, for individuals at Epiphany Counseling Services in Arlington, Texas, <laughs> and um, for students at Collin College in Frisco, Texas. Brittany is trained in cognitive behavioral therapy and counselors from trauma-informed approach, which promotes personal growth through self-exploration and encouragement. Brittany has expertise in several areas, including depression, anxiety, and trauma-related disorders. As a Christian and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma, Brittany is, a, is passionate about combining her faith with the pr principles of psychology and to bring awareness to mental health in various ad <laughs> various <laughs> adverse childhood experiences that affect minorities and marginalized communities. So very on brand for yeah. our people. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so we didn't just pull somebody off the street to talk about the mind. So no, not the streets. She good for work. <laughs> she good. <laughs> Right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Is there anything that you wanted to add or say? Yeah. I think that was beautiful. I'm just so honored to be 
on y'all's platform. Did I hear correctly that I'm the first guest? You are. Yes, you are. Oh yes. my goodness! Before I insert the little confetti. My heart is so happy. This is uh, this is such an honor, y'all. Like for real. I was thinking when you asked me this, I'm like, I wish I was this bold when I was y'all's age, man. Like, this is great. I love it. And what a gift it is for me to be y'all's first guest. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Like, soon as I thought, when we were talking about the topic, um, it was just very, it's very close and dear to us Mm because we had our own experiences with mental health and um, our own experiences with dealing with counseling and yeah. things like that, whether it be us personally or um, family members going through it and just the importance yeah. and how it, the reality is, is that it's not talked about in the black community, black community, let alone the church. And yes. So- yeah. And I have something. It's, it's interesting. I was talking to my mom this weekend just about um, how because I was telling her that you were coming on this week and I was just telling her how when I first started counseling, I did not want to do it at all. Mm-hmm. And I was crying to her about it. I was like, Mom, people are going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm mentally unstable. They, that, you know, all these stigmas that people tell you about it. I was, oh, they're going to they gonna want to put me in a house and all yeah. this thing. Oh, no. But then, you know, I'm 10 years old, by the way. And, you know, but after talking to her, she was like, no, you talked about the thoughts that you've had, about your anxiety, about your depression, yeah. about, you know, sometimes not even want to be on this earth. So, and, you know, I knew that I had a higher purpose on this earth and I knew that I needed some help to get to that point. Yeah. And what especially black people don't talk about is we just try to, to sweep it on the rug or pray it away or yeah. things like that. Dismiss but God it. has given mm-hmm. us tools like you to help us get through these things. So I'm, I'm very, um, this is a very, this is a topic that is very dear to my heart. And so I'm, I'm very glad that you're here with us to discuss this thing. Yeah, for sure. Thank and you. Sure. We're so glad you're here. Like, I, can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't get over it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm ready for this conversation. I'm so happy that, and particularly just with the church and just Christians and then young Black youth people. I mean, like, these <laughs> right. conversations are not being held in just, like, an informal way. It, you know, mm-hmm. like, sometimes when people are talking about it, it has to be so formal. And mm-hmm. it's just, no, let's just talk, it, like, talk normal about what people are experiencing and let's just push over the rug that I think our generations before us kind of swept things under. Yeah. Um, Austin, one thing that you said was that, you know, people are going to think I'm crazy. That is a common misconception. And one thing that I don't allow my clients to say is that word to me, yeah. that is the most damaging word ever. It's used to, it's used as a weapon. Yeah. Um, it is, People use that to hurt and it stabs people's hearts. It shapes a distorted view of who they are um, with just a simple word as crazy. Um, because therapy is not all about you being crazy. It's just a conversation that is intended to unpack and to actually allow someone else to carry the burden that you may feel. And that's just what it is. So I'm excited. Now, I'll tell you, mm-hmm. I, through counseling, I definitely found peace and joy within myself through it. You know, I realized that me and I were talking about this at one point last semester, how we would have happy spurts, but that's not joy. Joy is eternal. Joy is everlasting. 
And when you're not experiencing that, then those times when you're not happy, you're depressed and you're angry and you're upset about all the things that happen in this world. So I think that's very important about, you know, talking about mental health. Yes, I think people also and this could be a tangent. So I don't know if if we want to go here right right now, but happiness is such a emotion that has been placed on a pedestal. And I think people have strived to only feel happiness and that is it and if they're not happy then that means Mm -hmm. that they are not well that just means that they something's wrong with them or maybe they're like defective or like something like they're off they are broken because they're not happy all the time Mm -hmm. and as if there's not a range of emotion and Mm -hmm. all emotion is valid and it's useful and there's no bad or good like emotion and so Every time I hear my my clients and now students come in just wanting to like say, well, you know, I just want to be happy. Oftentimes what they want is what you just said, Austin, was peace. I want Mm -hmm. rest. I want to feel um, like I can breathe. But I think society is like, if you're not happy, then you're, then something's wrong. Mm. Um, That's so real. I was, um, was listening to another podcast and she was talking about how feel is I'm happy or I'm angry. Yeah. Happy, sad, mad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, especially with, I think with black people specifically, because we haven't been exposed to as much opportunity to even explore our emotions. That's the only way we can like describe them most of the time. And so it's just amazing how we're kind of the generation, your generation, our generation is kind of, approaching this new frontier being able to explore um fixing things so that we don't pass them on to the next generation because i think that's another big thing that i ran into with my family is like like mental health is only addressed when it's worst case scenario when in reality like sometimes right and then that's crisis intervention at that point yes right and Mm -hmm. i was just like why not get to a point where like it's for checkup purposes Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yes can you talk a little bit about that about why do you feel as if um like why shouldn't it why shouldn't we let it get to worst case scenario before we address the issues that could be going on with this yes i think it's very human for people to allow things to build up until they kind of Mm -hmm. explode because that way it's 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 more obvious at that point Mm -hmm. it's it's in your face and so you have to address it versus you kind of missing the signs or like looking away or maybe you're not knowing what the signs are and so um oftentimes what I've seen is that it's mental health issues are dismissed by other things Mm. and people you um people tend to cope um and like address mental health concerns with like physical stuff like um, if you're feeling down and you're feeling not like yourself, you think, well, maybe I could address this emotional disturbance by doing a physical activity like working out. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that could help you. But, but and also perhaps you talking about the emotional disturbance that you feel can also help you as as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think especially with families, it's uncomfortable. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's very human of us, again, to run from discomfort and not approach it. And that's what I do. Um, I lean into discomfort and I allow people to also say like, hey, 
therapy is uncomfortable, but you can yeah. tolerate it. Talking about your feelings, talking about things that have been heavy on heavy for you is uncomfortable, but you could tolerate it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that also when I think about families, especially the black family, I I think about, you know, things are just too hard for people to talk about. So they just dismiss it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about that also goes into why, you know, things are kept a secret, like family secrets, mm-hmm. because it's discomforting. It, I mean, it's yeah. uncomfortable, um, especially around mental health. Right. Yeah, I always thought about it. Um, like, in a way, I think some people are so scared to address it because it's in a way, like, when you have a hole in your pants and you really like those pants. And so, mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to pull the thread because I know if I pull that one thread, the, the whole thing is going to come apart. <laughs> Yes. And so I think a lot of people like avoid having those hard conversations like why weren't you there when I was a kid or like why didn't you ever explain or why didn't you stand up for me in this instance or you know like those different traumatic experiences in reality it's all that's standing in between it's a conversation and so I think a lot of people are scared to like even address it because they're afraid that it's going to unravel something bigger. And uh, uh, well, I have a uh, to add on to that a little quick question because Anaya and I, for those who listen, understand that we are very similar in a lot of different ways. And so mm-hmm. we come from a, a household where it's two-parent household, where, you know, you have a mom and your dad, you have siblings, they're loving, we grew up in a church, yeah. but we still struggle with, with certain them, things. Right? We still <laughs> deal with things. Yeah. And so I guess my question real quick is, how do you speak to people like us who didn't go through something extraordinary or right. something very detrimental yet you still go with a death of a grandparent or a death of my aunt or uncle or you're struggling in school because there's just so much over, it's so overwhelming you know things like yeah. that yeah I would first say you know we can't compare struggles because mm-hmm. I think we look at well I didn't deal with that that seems big so what I dealt with, I mean, it just was this. So I shouldn't be upset about it. I shouldn't be mad about it. I shouldn't be angry because what I'm going through isn't as big as what she is going through. That is invalidating what we're experiencing. Everyone holds things differently. So we could go through the, okay, example, the, the, um, Snowbit. Remember that week we were out of power out of, I mean, out of everything. Um, we all went through the same experience, but we all held it differently. Yeah. It looked differently on all of us. And so um, when I hear people with the question, I think it's a great question because it is, it kind of gets you to self-reflect and say, hey, like, why am I struggling with this? That on the outside, it seems minuscule, but, and then someone else is struggling with something big. One, I would say us all to really try not to compare our struggles because mm-hmm. trauma is just a distressing event, period. Mm. Um, but sometimes we only keep trauma as the big stuff. Mm. But there's also trauma in failing your, your test. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also trauma in getting sideswiped. I mean, a fender bender, that could be traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, so trauma is any distressing event. And so once you get that good working definition, I believe then you can understand why even the small stuff can, can kind of just be really distressing to you because it's not yeah. about the size of it. It's just how it impacts you. 
I think that's so real to acknowledge because especially as black people I know from we experience this a lot where like we naturally compare because um there are large groups of trauma groups and so (laughs) it's weird you know you have the no daddy groups and then you have the people who experience poverty groups and then the people right the sexual harassment groups and like in a way when you're kind of excluded not that anybody wants to be a part of that or nobody wakes up and says I want to be in this group right naturally when you feel excluded from those when you deal with your own things you're just you kind of kind of like what you were saying you exclude yourself you're just like I know for me that was a big thing is that I was just like there's no reason I should be complaining I have food on the table mm-hmm. and you know that's a big thing for black people it's just like yes you, know, you yeah. got food on the table clothes on your back back and so like really smiling. <laughs> right really you should be praying because like somebody has it worse than you and so it's just like yes somebody does have right <laughs> so everyone that's not looking at me I'm cringing <laughs> with my ears I mean with my hands over my ears <laughs> yeah and so like even that people so are like validating no yeah. really and like people in the worst of the worst still go through this sense of guilt for feeling bad in their situation it's like there's you know even though all of our lives are different we all experience life differently like somebody that in our situation like has two parents and grows up in a house you know grows up in a nice house and things like that still experiences life and so I just think it was so important that you that, that you address that and so like another question that we had was like how is listening to a therapist different from just praying about it yeah Yes. Well, (laughs) I love that question because just, you know, just praying is what I mean. I think every, well, no, I wouldn't say that, but a lot of people, a lot of black people have heard just, you know, just pray. That's it. That's it. That's all. Mm -hmm. And if I, you know, I got to think, I got to think about our father and I just got to think about if he were to if he could respond to that, I just, I just think to myself, like, I wonder if his response would, would be daughter, son, I have other things that can help you. Mm-hmm. Why are you? Yes. I, I always want you to talk to me, mm-hmm. but I also have other people that I can talk through to you. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why are you discounting the people that I want to help you that I've placed in your life, the, the people that I've trained, the people that I've given gifts to, the gift of encouragement to. Um, I can also speak through those people just as I can speak directly to your heart as well. Um, and so when I think about just pray about it, yes, we need to do that in addition to seeing a professional. Um, and I don't know why we question that, but we don't say just pray about it when we break our bones. Right. That's what like, wait, wait, where did that you could do you know that our bodies don't distinguish a break? It feels it just the same as a heartbreak and a broken bone. Mm. It just it, that way. It, yeah. it just I mean, there's <laughs> slight differences, but right. it's still essentially the same thing. Like our bodies don't know context. So if you feel like if your heart is broken, your body doesn't know that it's from a breakup. It just feels pain Mm. but yet we deny ourselves and and we don't give ourselves permission to talk to someone that could really help us Mm -hmm. because just pray about it I think it's um really damaging and I think there's a generation that have that have suffered in silence 
Um, and, and I just see our father, like, I didn't want all to suffer in silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it didn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. And so I get excited because our kids and their kids will not feel, hopefully the hope is that they don't feel it's as taboo and they feel bold enough to say, Hey, I'm going through something. I don't feel like myself. Can I talk to someone? And us, the parents at that time will say, of course, yes, let's go. Mm-hmm. Like, like a physical for sports, you need a checkup? All right, let's go find you a, a therapist. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I, I have another question. So I can only speak for, I guess, a man or growing up to be a man in this instance and how, for, I guess my first question would be, how many men around average do you see come to counseling? And then secondly, what is, how can you fight the stigma that a man should be able to handle it by themselves? And, you know, that's the stigma that it's for women to go see counseling and you look that soft. So, you know. That's oh, that is such a loaded question. <laughs> so many lands, it's so much. Um, I think men have it. I think well, okay. I kind of want to go back to the other question because there was something that I didn't say with that one. And I want to come back and address that question. Um, okay. First and foremost, how how is listening to a therapist different from just praying about it? Therapists are actually trained to hold burdens. And so we, you know, we speak to God. And then also there's a scripture and maybe you can insert it here. Um, but um, it is the scripture that's about when you when you confess your sins to other it 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 gives you healing and so essentially what therapy can be looked at spiritually is just confessing things that you're dealing with Mm -hmm. confessing things that you're struggling with which is also what god wants us to to do and the reality is is that you won't talk about it anyway to your girlfriends to your to your 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 parents right yes who aren't professionally trained to handle it and so they end up saying stuff like just pray about it a girl just put flour in this tank or something (laughs) very just toxic (laughs) things that it's like well that might actually make things worse (laughs) i don't know if i want to do that um and so and then just praying is just not the the only it's not a it's not the only step um and so i just wanted to just say that like um therapists are actually skilled in holding your burden while people sometimes feel like a burden when they only talk to their friends and family about it. Um, And then going back to the other question, men have such a huge stigma, especially black men. And, you know, I think society and also culturally has shaped men and trained them to to be emotionally constipated. (laughs) And so to just be clogged up with so much stuff and not allow them to actually express it or to feel it. And if they do feel anything, they feel guilty or they feel like, well, there's so, so I'm working with students and this whole thing about simping is, is coming up. And I, and (laughs) I am not old by no means. I'm, I'm, I'm a young 29. And I was just like, wait, what to me i got it was just very invalidating and, and it was like shaming someone for expressing their interests and and yeah. expressing like emotion towards someone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's like men are like 
darn if they do and darn if they don't didn't want to curse but it's just like yeah you I don't think there's been any room as of lately for men to express or to feel within their families within their own support groups at church and um it's really unfortunate and again I think it's I see it changing but at a slower rate than I see young women being mm-hmm. open. Yeah. There was more to that question and I forgot oh, the, the other, rest. The other part was like, so how many men do you kind of see yes. um, in a year, you know, on average? And where's that compared to a woman, I guess? I can count on both hands the, t- mm-hmm. the men that I've seen. Mm. Um, and I've been practicing for five years. Wow. Yeah. Um, right now, I have a caseload of one, two, three, four men, mm-hmm. and twenty-five plus women right now. Yeah. Um, and that's a sad st- st- statistic for me personally. But again, my I mean, practicing for five years, so I'm sure that number will grow over time. But it it is come short in comparison to as many women that are seeking out. But also I think women have, I mean, we relate in a conversational way versus men um, externalize mm-hmm. how y'all kind of like not. So this is a general generalization, but I'm still going to say it because mm-hmm. I could say that it could be accurate across boards. Um, oftentimes men will, release emotion through external things like playing ball, hooping, mm-hmm. um, playing a video game, and that's how they let off. And mm-hmm. typically, generally, um, women, we talk. So that's just on brand for talk therapy. Yeah, because I'll say this, going to a all-male school for four years, a lot of times you don't talk about anything loaded. You know, that's just the thing like that you, you don't do. And so I, I'll admit, like, mine for a long time was just playing basketball. What I do is I, I just go and I play basketball with my friends. Yeah. That was my way to release. But, you know, I realized that that couldn't be the only way because I was still holding things. So even after I'm done hooping, yeah, for that two hours that I hoop, yeah, I feel great. But after I go back home and I sit in my room, I go back down again. That's the thing. It's a temporary relief. It's- yeah. Not a long term. It's like a band aid. It'll help for the moment, but it's not able. It's not going to su- sustain you. You're not going to feel long term effects from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say something. Then I have another question that's yes. kind of connected to it. So, um, one thing that we talked about also before was the fact that like it's so important to address. I think we said this earlier, like addressing the things and the issues that could be generational curses or issues mm-hmm. or um, just traumas that could be generational, especially with black people and yeah. us not addressing them passes it on. And so I feel like now that we are approaching this new frontier, like I feel like there should be a level of responsibility to like unpack those things. Cause I feel like the best way to be a good parent, like good parenting doesn't start when you have the baby, good parenting starts with you preparing like you being a good wife starts with with you for being like preparing you being a good business partner good you know like CEO all of that kind of things that doesn't start when you're given the position those kind of things start with you preparing and building your character 
and like finding those things and digging yourself and asking God to reveal those things so that you can um, be strong and being able be able to be um, oh be able to be a good steward of those things. Yes, I would agree. When I think about the word generational curses, I think it's a very um, I think what I've noticed, and even with my clients who are white and they're Christian, they don't use the word generational curses. Yeah. I never thought about that. I never, they don't. Wait that's, a minute, you're right. That's a black thing. We, yeah. You do know that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a black thing. Um, oh my wow. gosh, that's so real. Because I so wait, what's my brain? Okay, because I grew up in a black church, and yes. now I'm at a white they church. Always use it. Yes. Black church always use it, but then when you go to white church, they don't talk about that. They don't at all. No. Okay, go on. No, that's a great point. So this is what I believe. This is what I think. Um, We could talk about it. We're having a real conversation. How I interpret it is that, you know, every curse is broken once Jesus shed his blood. So um, that it it is finished. It is done. Um, And we could choose to either repeat the same patterns, which is another word for generational curse that our generations before us have kind of walked. And so another way, so what it really is to me when I hear the word, the term generational curse is I, I get you are not wanting to repeat similar patterns, similar ways of thinking, similar belief systems that was damaging, that was detrimental, that was dysfunctional to the overall being of your family and yourself. Um, and so that is what I really work with in therapy. That is the kind of the framework of what therapy is. That's what I address more so than disorders Mm. and illnesses. Mm. It is, and that is on brand with the scripture, which is the renewing of your mind. It's to, um, reframe distorted thinking. It's to unlearn dysfunctional patterns of life. It's um, to kind of challenge and address distorted belief systems that you've held Mm -hmm. onto that was Mm -hmm. toxic and that met your line. And Mm so one thing that I think I've heard this in like school was like, if you don't know history, it will repeat itself. The same thing with families. If you don't talk about what tripped you up, it may trip up your daughter or your son because we get part of our genetic from our family I mean from our parents but obviously our parents have a big deal with shaping who we are and shaping how we see ourselves and shaping our worldview mm-hmm. I always tell my clients like our 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 family and then our parents are our first experience of a relationship and mm-hmm. us um, learning how to love ourselves and how to treat ourselves and how to interact with other people and so if there's things that if there's things that our parents are struggling with um and they don't necessarily kind of deal with it deal with it or tackle it um either it's modeled or it's um reinforced or it's taught through the generation after it um Mm -hmm. and sometimes people are predispositioned which means that they have a more chance of having a struggle with something if it runs in a line. Um, I think about alcoholism and like addiction. If some people who have family members or parents that struggle with that, they are predispositioned to also struggle with it, 
but it has other outside factors like support systems, um, their environment, if they see it, if it's being reinforced or modeled or if it's around, then that can shape how then they will be when they get older. That was very wordy, but hopefully got some nuggets. Okay. (laughs) That was perfect because like I experienced like a lot of my friends that are discouraged. They'll say like, I want marriage or like I'm scared that I'm going to fail in marriage because I've seen my parents get divorced or they'll say, I know I really want to be a good father whenever I have kids, but I know my dad wasn't around. So I don't even know where to start with Mm -hmm. that or, you know, like the list goes on. But I just I just want to like encourage people with this conversation, the fact that like it's, you know, those like she said, like those curses were broken when Jesus shed his blood. Like that's not a death sentence for you. You know, your parents aren't a define like they aren't a definer for what's destined for you, what God has for you. So like if God placed a vision in you, like don't let your circumstances shape that for you. You know, you have it for you. Yes. Like. Can we say that again? Like every curse was broken when his like his blood shed for a reason. And so we could live in freedom. What we have to do, and and this is an encouraging word, but it's also a very humbling word because we have work. We have to unlearn the the things that kept our family lines weighted down. We have to unlearn certain beliefs and patterns that are not healthy, that are not um that are not life giving. Mm -hmm. That's what we have to break. But yeah. it's not our responsibility to break the curse because we're not Jesus. We have to unlearn the patterns that will keep us in that bondage. Yeah. But we're free. That's awesome. And, I, and yeah. a lot of times I um uh, I think about well I was actually talking to my mom this weekend and we were we were discussing how a lot of times until you actually talk to somebody who professionally about things you will never know what those curses are and you realize you're doing the same thing. So a lot of times, you know, if you have a parent that is a certain way and it frustrates you about it, but then you realize that you're doing the same thing to your kid and because you never went to a counselor, you never took time to address it. And so a lot of times those cycles will continue because you never took time to address those things that were wrong. Yes. And in that context, with that example, I think of when you said those curses, I think of learned behaviors that I picked mm-hmm. up from my parents. Yeah. So that's even a different word. And I think sometimes when we say generational curses, we it, it to me, and this is only me, to mm-hmm. me, it feels very over-spiritualized because it's like, it's it could easily just be unlearned, I mean, learned behaviors of yeah. communication that, you know, my mom yelled at me, so therefore I yell at my boyfriend and I yell at myself and then I yell at other people. Yeah. Um, and that's just a learned behavior of and, and and it's an unhealthy way to communicate, which you can unlearn versus this big curse word like yeah. that is it seems intimidating. It seems overwhelming. And it's yeah. like, whoa, but it's like, yo, let's just maybe let's find it like another word that will then make yeah. it like you could you feel more encouraged because if it's a pattern, oh, I could do another pattern. That's a healthier one. If it's mm-hmm. a, a learned behavior, I could learn something else that's healthier um so words to me are very important because um it could really shape how we think um so uh another question i have is so why are friends and family the worst therapists for you (laughs) because a lot of times you know you'll go to a family member who they're just repeating what their parents told them yeah. Yes. Or what uh, their guardians told them, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's right. 
Yeah. But, you know, whereas for a therapist, they professionally learn how to address those issues. Or, 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 like, because we talked about yes. this, how, like, you'll be dating someone oh, yeah. and yeah. then <laughs> you go to your sister about it and then your sister hates them the whole time that y'all dating. When reality, Over y'all, a smaller right. argument. Y'all had yes. We were like, we were trying to pick food, and he yelled at me because I couldn't decide. And then oh, you should have broke up, with right? Him. Just like, girl, you need to leave him. And then yes. every time we go to a family function with she's him, staring she's staring at him crazy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had experience with that. Right. I'm not. Oh no. Oh. Okay. <laughs> we need? Should we have a session now? Or? Uh, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. Should we go into it? Should we unpack this? No, 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 no. Yeah, that's another time. Another time, another day. Okay. Bet, bet, bet. So, because our family's perspective is extremely limited, mm. um, and it's when someone's close to you, they don't see the big picture. They don't see things because they're so close, and so that's why it's helpful to have a third party, someone that doesn't know you, um, because they're not emotionally invested or connected to it as much, and there's distance. And also, again, they're trained to discuss it without the lens of bitterness from their own experience without um, a biased opinion, without an agenda or without projecting their beliefs. Cause that's what therapy isn't. One thing that I think people think therapy is, is sometimes having someone give you advice on what to do. That's absolutely, that's absolutely not what we're trained to do. We are <laughs> trained. Yes. I, I do never, not yeah, give I advice. Heard that before. Okay. Yeah. Never heard what, which like that. It's not for advice. Advice, yeah. <laughs> no, because what would that mean is if I were to give you, if I were to give you advice, I'm telling you what to do and you will only rely on me. Mm. And you will never be empowered to make your own decisions, to solve your own problems and to cope with your own emotions or whatever. You will only be coming to me um, and that will be a codependent relationship at that point. Yeah. And so a lot of people think that it's advice taking. And it's like, no, I didn't go to school all these years just to tell advice now. (laughs) Um, And so what else? Um, Sometimes families don't know the signs to look for. And um, kind of like how, well, yeah. So how I view the world now that I'm, now that I am in this career, my eyes change. So like I see things differently so I just see signs clearly versus maybe your family. They don't, they're not trained to see certain stuff. So you may be kind of off to yourself and, and your family member might think, oh, you have an attitude or it could just be you're isolating because you're feeling depressed mm-hmm. and you are like, your family may see you being lazy, but it could be you are unmotivated and you are lacking interest in things that you once loved but they view it as laziness. So it's, we see things differently that your family are, don't have the eye for. And also, would you go to your family member for a heart surgery? No. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would go to a surgeon. Yeah. I don't, and, and family is a good support, but yeah. Mm. What yeah. do you say to those um, people that like get a lot of pushback from their families regarding mental health? Um, I think especially with our age group. So um, a lot of our listeners, we have a, a big range, but a lot of our listeners are like 
college, late high school, mm-hmm. or like young adults, yes, and so they'll ex- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so they experience like um, I want to go to counseling. I know I need to. But when I bring it up to my mom, or I bring it up to my dad. They're just like, "What's wrong with you? Like, there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. You're just like you're 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 fine." So, or they'll or they'll be just like, "Why don't you talk to me?" Or like, um, they'll like the parent will get offended that they weren't the first, right? They're just like, "Why don't you just talk to me or talk to your sister? Or your, you know, your church member, or why don't you just pray about it?" You know. So, like, what do you say to those people that are like that have been discouraged from seeking help? I would say the discouragement is real. The frustration is real. It is very uncomfortable and it just feels bad um, to express, to even find the courage and the confidence to say, hey, I'm struggling and then get met by resistance or get met by invalidation. Um, I would say all of those, those things may not change and I would encourage them to still find some boldness to say, and I still want to talk to someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, Find some boldness, find some strength, maybe say, okay, well, um, especially the um, teens are not 18, but -hmm. even with my 18 year olds, um, they're still pushed back because I see some that age with their, with their parents. The thing about parents in, in, in this particular age group is that they are, they see themselves in their child mm-hmm. yeah. and, and, and it's at that pool where it's like, I'm, this is. Like this they're is, representing me bad in a way. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like it's almost like an extension of themselves when yeah that's, that's something that at that age parents are dealing with and sorting out. So they're having their own thing and the, and the child is having his or her own thing as well. So what I would say was, I would just encourage you to still reach out to someone um, scared and all. Um, if there is a student that you also know, or like a friend that you know, um, that knows a therapist or just like someone in your community. Um, if it's a money thing, um, find a mentor that could kind of be the buffer if you're needing to save up some money to find a therapist. Um, I would, I don't want to say that it's, it, it won't get easy if your parents are already resistant because oftentimes it takes a while for parents to really recognize that, Oh, my child is mm-hmm. struggling and I didn't know, or I'm uncomfortable and or, or, or I feel bad. I feel a sense of shame because I feel like I failed if they're struggling. So yeah. they're also going through their own thing too. It's really mm-hmm. complex when you really think about all of what's going on. That's so real. Actually, like our last question really is, uh, what is the process of looking, looking for a counselor? You just kind of started that, but practically... Uh, what do you do? Because I know I've experienced it, so I was just like, okay, counseling! Yeah. What do what I do now? Do yes! <laughs> and I don't know where to start. And, so, and then I get overwhelmed because like, they're just sending this long catalog of people and they're just like, you can have one that has all your filters and none of your filters. And, like, and then like trying to figure out, do I want a black person? Do I want a white person? Like, How do you yeah, determine yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Right, like, do I want a Christian? Do I not want a Christian? Yeah. Like, Is it important to have a Christian if you are a Christian? Like, where do I 
like where do people start if like they're listening to this and they're just like okay yeah yeah i need to do it so this is after they've thought so after they've come to the conclusion i want to start therapy soon or counseling soon right yeah okay so after they've made it up in their mind that they want to start counseling what do they do next um typically um Okay, so if you already made up in your mind, you could ask your friends and family if they know of someone. That word of mouth is often the best referral because chances are that person will then refer you to their therapist. Mm-hmm. And, and they could kind of share your, their experiences with their therapist. Granted, it will always be different because everyone has a different dynamic in therapy. So there's a thing called goodness of fit. And goodness of fit is just really what it sounds like. It's you finding someone that fits your personality, that fits what you are wanting or what you're needing in order for you to feel safe and comfortable. It's someone that is relatable. It's someone that you could see as a friend in another life, maybe, but yet still know that this is a a professional um, boundary. Um, So after... They maybe looked at, I mean, they've asked friends or family and they didn't really get an answer. They could then look online. There's a lot of online databases that are really good. Um, I'm sure maybe people on this platform have heard of therapyforblackgirls.com and there's therapyforblackmen.org and then there's Psychology Today, there's BetterHelp. And so that's what you were talking about was just like the long catalog of people mm-hmm. and it can be overwhelming, like it's shopping which essentially that's what it is pretty much. And so you're looking at their profile pictures, you're reading their bios and honestly, okay. So transparency, and I always love to share this. I have my own therapist. Mm -hmm. I'm a therapist that also is in therapy. Mm -hmm. And I love to tell people that because I like to normalize it again. If Mm -hmm. I'm my own doctor, I can't do heart surgery on myself. I need to go Mm -hmm. to a doctor myself. And so what I did was I went on, um, I used psychology today at the time because therapy for black girls wasn't um, what it is now. And I looked at, honestly, I looked at someone's picture. I read her bio. I said, she seems really nice. Her smile is really personable. She seems like (laughs) she would be nice to me and I'm going to call her. Um, And that's how I chose as a therapist. That's how I chose my therapist. I literally looked at her picture she was a Christian. That was important to me. It was important to me that I could relate to my therapist and I didn't have to like code switch or be someone that I'm not or like perform. So I was like, she, there's certain nuances that black people know and get. And so I'm like, that was important for me. So um, after I found her, I called her and we set up a session Another way that you could find a therapist is going through your insurance. If you have it, you could call them and see um, how much they will cover. Typically, insurance is very rigid and limited. So they will give you like a certain set of sessions, maybe like 20 that they will cover. And then you want to find out what your copay is. So insurance is a whole other ball mm-hmm. game. Um, and so that can kind of get sticky, but I don't like to discourage it because if you're paying for something, you can then use it. And so I, I always want that. And with that, sometimes insurance companies will give you a list of people, um, which can still be overwhelming. 
And so I would always encourage people, if you're looking for a therapist, don't look for it when you're stressed in the moment. Look for it when you're feeling happy, when, mm-hmm. when, when you're feeling like, you know what, I'm good. That's when you want to find a therapist, not when you're stressed. Because then mm-hmm. that will then just only increase the load that you're already feeling. And then that will be overwhelming. Um, another way that you could also find is people who work. There's a thing called EAP, and that's Employer Assistance Program. And typically your work or your employer um, should have a should have a therapist that they use and it's free because they're they're paying for it. And you could um, have the limited sessions, sometimes like five to 10 sessions that you're able to get through EAP. Um, and that's, I think for, I think that's a federal or state mandate or law or something. Yeah, don't quote me on that, but okay. <laughs> um, I think that is all the ways you could find a therapist. I think what's the okay. most daunting task is that people feel overwhelmed when they're looking mm-hmm. on the host of lists and and that could just be you're looking at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. That's wow. That was I was say that was perfect. That was perfect. We'll um, we'll definitely detail all those resources that she listed and that we talked about. We'll make sure that we get a list and um, a tangible like step by step, and we'll put that on our Instagram page. So make sure that you follow us. Was there anything else that you wanted to end with? Yeah. Um, I. I'm just so proud. I think people who are listening, they may not know the um, level of connection that me and the host has, um, Anaya. So I, I, I have been her mentor. I have watched her grow to be this beautiful woman that she is now. And it just brings my heart so much joy um, that she is using her voice to just allow difficult conversations and normalize it and so encouraging this is so on brand for her um so i mean i just i'm just so proud so just so proud um (laughs) thank you miss Brittany. of course and if i could leave something else it would be for people i close out all of my sessions with this and i remind myself and my clients to be gentle and kind with themselves oftentimes we are our worst critics we um, mm. we have plenty of thoughts going through our stream of conscious, and for some reason, we really hold on to the negative ones, to the um, very destructive thoughts, and we discount or we ignore the thoughts that are life giving, the thoughts that are full of hope, and we kind of only focus on the negative and the thoughts that are not that are fixed, meaning that they're very rigid and just really harsh. And so if I could leave anything like a, like a last encouraging word would just be to be kind and be gentle with yourself and know that whatever you are going through, whatever you are experiencing, um, it, it has to get better because Mm -hmm. God has the final say and Mm -hmm. he has great plans you in your future and so I if if you've been on the fence about counseling my hope is that my voice kind of normalized it and kind of mm-hmm. decreased some sense of anxiety or stress mm-hmm. or maybe gave you some confirmation like you know what it's okay this is a therapist that actually went to therapy and and that kind of was what I needed because it's 
I'm about to go back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to also say that if you're feeling like, oh, I'm not happy, again, happiness is not the only emotion. And if you aren't happy, if you're sad or angry or upset or frustrated, that just means that you're human and you're doing a great job at being a a human. So good. So go you. Um, I think I think that's it. I think that's it. Well, um, I just want to thank you for joining us today. I mean, this is this has been the best one. I'm not gonna lie. Honestly, this has been the best <laughs> yes. one. Don't just yeah. say that now, y'all. Come on, don't. No, this has been the no. best. Don't one. just say that. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm so thankful that you've given us all advice, our listeners' advice, that you have taken time out of your night to come and speak to us, and mm-hmm. um, that you open our eyes about counseling and normalize it. So I, I we really appreciate you and thank you for joining us today. Thank yeah, you for, for sure. Me. Thank you, Miss Brittany. Like you don't understand. This means so much to me. She's yeah, she's been my mentor since like high school, sophomore year. And yes. like I just remember meeting her and just um knowing right away, like I've never met like an adult that I could relate to so closely and that speaks so well into my life. And she just it's a great reflection like of what God is like what God's mercy and what his like love looks Come like on. radiating on other people. And she's just so cool. Like yeah. you should follow her. Like she really is like cool. You know, oh, I'm not even casting you up, real life. Like I'm not even hype you up. I don't yeah. do that. So no, yeah. But, <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, nah, she really doesn't. So nah, really yeah. Okay, oh, all right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but we just wanted to thank our listeners today for um, listening and being a part. I just wanted to leave you guys with something. One of my favorite songs is Because He Lives. Um, I can, can live. Li- yeah, yeah, I can face tomorrow. <laughs> and so, like, because he lives, you have permission to live. So yeah. don't um, be discouraged or allow just life to knock you down, you know. Like she said, it just has to get better. So if you just feel yourself down right now and you need feel you like you need help, um, go find help and find ways to get better because, yeah, because he lives, you can face tomorrow. So thank you for listening. Sub- subscribe to us. Get notifications whenever we post. We're on Spotify and Apple Music. Hey. If you're listening to Spotify, we'll leave a song at the end of, at the end of the episode that you can add to your playlist. If you have any gospel or worship songs that you would like to um, recommend, you can DM us on the Be For Real Instagram page and we'll be sure to shout you out. So share with your family, share with your friends and yeah, we'll get to you next time. We'll add all the Instagram bios and whatnot. We'll add all that at the end. So (laughs) thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.